Giants fans, and welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of For the Fans by the Fans, a podcast where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the Giants hover around 500 heading into their road trip through Chicago and Colorado, we welcome in my fellow Kappa Sigma fraternity brother, the best backyard football player I've ever seen, and a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. Kirk Murray Benson. But before Kirk reminds us about Giants playoff bullpen implosions, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandising. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparels from the leagues, teams, and players you love. So if you're looking for your Mitch Williams or your Andre the Hawk Dawson jerseys, head over to ftfbtf.com fanatics, or just click on the link in the show notes, and our friends at Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help pay for the production of this show when you buy your Cubs or, of course, your Giants gear. With that said, Kirk, welcome to the pod, my friend. Good afternoon. Excited to be here. Since this is our first Cubs podcast, I think it's only fitting that we start this off with the worst Harry Carey impression you ever heard. So, Kirk, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? <laughs> I would. I'd have ten of me. I'd be delicious. Did you know that Sandberg spelled backwards is grabbing ass? <laughs> if the moon were made of cheese, would you eat it too? <laughs> I think I went full uh, Sean Connery versus Harry Carey. Holy cow! It's way back! It might be! It could be! It is a home run! I think mine was a little Vato and yours was a little bit of a higher register than Harry Carey. But just to honor him, let's start the podcast off by obviously embarrassing ourselves. Well, we've been doing that for about 20 years, so that's about on par. It feels about right. So speaking of embarrassing, I want to run through... Two different games where the Giants and the Cubs faced off in the playoffs. And I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to start with the 1989 NLCS. One of the highlights of my childhood as a Giants fan, I'm guessing it wasn't one of yours. No, it wasn't. I think losing in five games isn't a highlight. So I just looked back over the YouTube video of the classic Mitch Williams, Will Clark at bat and wanted to run you through some of the things that I saw. So first off, two outs. It was the top of the ninth. Mitch Williams, Will Clark in the box. Bases are loaded. I think the count was three to two. Maybe it was two to two. I don't remember exactly. But Will Clark singles, hits a bullet back up the middle, almost takes Mitch Williams' head off. Maldonado scores, Butler scores, Thompson slides into third, the camera pans back to Clark as he flexes with his gigantic 1980s jersey on, then the camera pans back over to Andre Dawson on the bench, looking depressed, Mitch Williams looking down, the crowd's going nuts. Tell me, how did that one feel? Well, I think it was from 89 to 98, so it was about a nine-year hangover before we made it back to the playoffs. So pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lefty-on-lefty matchup with your all-star closer. What else could you have hoped for? Not having the greatest giants of the 80s and early 90s in the box? That is correct. That at bat is the single moment that sticks out in my head when I think about baseball and how exciting it can be from my childhood. 
being a kid in the San Francisco Bay Area, I will always remember Will Clark just hitting that bullet. I remember watching the game, me and my dad going bananas. Like that was the highlight of my baseball life as a youth. And it cemented Will Clark was like my childhood hero. Well, I think the Cubs and the Giants really diverged at that moment. So for the 90s, the Giants were good and the Cubs were bad. The Cubs had this one peak in 89, and from there, they went in different directions. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is the Giants think of the Cubs, and I think most baseball fans do, traditionally as the lovable losers. And they were obviously good in 89, almost made the World Series, almost. And the Giants were pretty good. You know, we made the playoffs a couple of times, and it wasn't until later in the Bonds era when we made it back to the World Series against the Angels. But we sort of were a middle-of-the-pack to upper-middle-class team, and the Cubs obviously fell on some rough times. But more recently, the Cubs have rebounded and actually got over the hump finally. Let's talk a little bit about 2016. Obviously, the, the Giants faced off against the Cubs in the playoffs, and we were watching that series pretty closely together. And all I remember from the beginning of the series was whispering in your ear, the Cubs are the best. You can't blow it. You're the best team. Well, luckily we didn't. I mean, you've got to define that whole season as like a magical summer. And you were whispering into my ear, they're the best all summer. There's no way you can blow it. You're too good. They're too dominant. They're the best. But a five-game <laughs> series with Bumgarner going two or three times, there's definitely a way they could have blown it, right? We had it lined up. Like, we had that game one. We're up, what, three runs in the eighth that's the fourth game in a five-game series, and we had Cueto on the mound for game six. You know, the Giants, it's kind of like where the Warriors stand right now. Like, yeah, down a game going into the last two games of the series, but, man, we had you where we wanted you. You really did. And then bullpen throwing up on itself. I actually had the box score up a little bit to try to, like, figure out where it all went wrong. And I'm looking back now, it was... Lopez, Romo, Smith, Strickland, all blowing up, four runs, eighth inning, Giants lose six to five. How does that happen? A loaded Chicago Cubs lineup. Oh. <laughs> well, that's from my side, right? I'm biased. And between 16 and then you'll remember 17, the bullpen has been epically bad for San Francisco, like epically bad. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of years with the pen. And the truth is the overall bullpen, I don't think has been epically bad. The closer, like the end of the line for us has just been a disaster. Yeah. Bryant, Rizzo, Fowler in 16, that lineup was absolutely loaded. You know, the truth is it was painful to lose to the Cubs. It was frustrating the way that the Giants lost. We had the even-year magic. We'd won three World Series in five years, and it looked like we were just about to maybe tip the scales and, and knock the Cubs off. And we sort of owned the Nationals in the playoffs before, and it just wasn't meant to be. It was To me, that was the end of the team, the dynasty that won the three World Series in a row, and now it's really a different team. They've kind of hopefully reloaded starting this year, but that was the end of the line for me. There are parallels to the 1989 moment and then the 2016 moment, right? So that hopefully the Giants come back. I don't hate the Giants, but it sent the teams in different directions. Yeah, last year, needless to say, was a certified disaster on our part. And this year, we're looking, in the words of my buddy Adam, pretty 500-y. Gotcha. Okay. You could be a whole lot worse. So talk to me about this year's Cubs team. We're actually playing right now. Looks like Gorky's Hernandez hit a home run. 
in the third to tie the game up 1-1. Tell me about what the Giants fans need to know about this Cubs team. Is this another World Series champion, or how are the Cubs feeling about their chances this year? I'm feeling really hopeful. So from a talent perspective, the Cubs are loaded, especially on the hitting side. So I think at the moment we're like four or five games over 500. You're loaded top to bottom on that lineup, and there's people like Anthony Rizzo that's hitting under 200 at the moment. So if he regresses to where he needs to be, then you're adding another two or three runs a week to your offense. And I'd say we got a little bit above average pitching, so I'm feeling kind of really excited. I think the challenge is... The NL Central is full of a whole bunch of good teams. I think four out of the five teams are four to five games over 500. And I think the Cubs, similar to last year, as long as you feel a little 500-y, I think the Cubs also have some help on the way from the minors. So really excited. The interesting thing to me is looking at the standings at which you mentioned, and the Cubs are in fourth place right now at a five, and they're only ahead of Cincinnati, sitting a game or two behind Pittsburgh, and St. Louis, and then Milwaukee has been really good so far this year. And if you were in the NL West, you'd actually be in first place by half a game. So the NL West, obviously, with Arizona coming back, losing, I think, 10 of their last 11, coming back to Earth, uh, the NL West just looks pretty rough right now. The Cubs would be ahead. I think the thing is going to be, speaking of bullpens, the Cubs have a pretty good bullpen. So that's what makes me confident And they just need one more starter. So you Darvish has not performed very well today. So if you get any of Rizzo or Darvish to come back, you are adding kind of a ton of wins above replacement back into that and should be smooth sailing. Yeah, you Darvish is a fan favorite in San Francisco for his performance in Game 7 of the World (laughs) Series for the Dodgers. So, um, you know, I hope that he rebounds because he did us a solid The mantra for the Giants, at least around my house, is we hope to be competitive this year. Maybe we'll sneak into the back end of the playoffs. Probably not. But it's a successful season if it's entertaining and the Dodgers don't win the World Series. Let me turn that back on you. How are you feeling about the Giants? 500. I think that the team is entertaining. Looks like we can hit, which is new. Um, There's a couple of young guys that have come up. It's nice to have Mac Williamson back in the lineup. The offseason signings sort of started off incredibly slowly. Both Longoria and McCutcheon were under 200 for a good part of the season. And they're starting to rebound. So it's an entertaining team. The problem with the Giants right now is the rotation is your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh starters because you have Bumgarner that went down at the beginning of the season and Cueto pitched five games, all quality starts, has an ERA of like 0.89 and he's on the shelf for four to six to eight weeks. So really went into the season thinking we got two starters and a couple of hopefully 500 pitchers and you took those two quality starters out, and now what do we have? We have three 500 pitchers maybe and a couple of guys that are bottom of the barrel. The guy that's pitching today, Derek Holland, can't be very excited about that. And then we have unproven rookies who are trying to find their way. So hopefully a lot of high-scoring games when we're edging it out, but that's not really how we play to the park, and that ends up being hovering around 500, assuming Bumgarner and Cueto come back and are relatively healthy. But that's just this humble man's opinion. Bumgarner's on my fantasy team, so... uh, Let's get him back, buddy. Let's get him back. Let's get him back. No more bike riding. All right. 
So talk to me about the the Cubs. What's life like as a Cubs fan now that you're over the hump? You've been a World Series champion. You got one in 110 years. Are you still singing a happy tune after the World Series? I think there's a lot of commonalities between being a Giants fan and a Cubs fan, right? So had a lot of heartbreaking moments before bringing home a couple of championships in a row on the Giants side. Brought it home on the Cubs side. I don't think the Cubs or the Giants fans have turned into complete jerks either. So we're still relatively hungry and humble. So the stands are full of knowledgeable fans that are excited to be champions now. And I think we also, there's a little bit of a, obviously a checkered past in the 90s and the 2000s with people like Bonds and Sosa. So I think there's a montage of feelings that you can kind of touch on. But as a Cubs fan, one, I have never owned as much Cubs paraphernalia as I do now. And I've always owned a lot. So I'm very happy, proud to walk down the streets. And what I'll say is, Anywhere I'm walking in San Francisco with my Cubs hat on, I get asked all of the time or get shouted at, go Cubs. And so I think we're in a really good place. We've got solid ownership. We've got a good manager. We've got a good general manager. You got Theo. We got Theo. The ironic thing about you guys having Theo and us being on this podcast together is Theo was in Boston when we went to college and he built that Red Sox team that won multiple championships. And that was kind of like our college team because Boston University, where we both went, didn't really have sports. Like I went to more Red Sox games than anything I ever did at in college that was affiliated with the school. Like those were our college teams in my mind. Definitely. Theo is following you around is my point. Well, I mean, Theo is my guardian angel. He's a god in two cities, effectively. He'll never pay for a meal at a restaurant in Boston or Chicago. And it's been fun. I mean, I can't even overanalyze or analyze it. It's just a fun ride. It's great to be a fan. I mean, fan is short for fanatic. It's brilliant. FTFBTF.com slash fanatics. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, there you go. Well, you were saying you brought your Cubs gear. I feel like I needed a shameless plug somewhere. In the... <laughs> anyway, everybody click on the show links in the show notes. Come on, we got to pay for the show. We didn't even rehearse that. <laughs> So talk to me a little bit more about life as a Cubs fan. Let's talk about what the Mount Rushmore of Cubs would be. Who's on the Mount Rushmore? Well, for me in my personal life, so I became a Cubs fan in 1985, going to my first game, setting up the left field line kind of behind the dugout, probably not far from where Ferris Bueller was sitting in the movie. So the Mount Rushmore for me kind of starts and ends with Andre Dawson. So number eight, 1987, 49 home runs on a last place team. But the Cubs led the league in attendance that year just because of Andre's army and right field and all that sort of stuff. So you start with Andre Dawson, then you kind of move into Ryan Sandberg. So arguably, and we can maybe get an argument here with Jeff Kent and different ages of who's the best second baseman of all time. Joe Panic. Joe Panic. Panic! <laughs> then you've got Billy Williams and Ernie Banks. Um, before my time, Greg Maddox. And then you've got some asterisk people. So you've got Sammy Sosa. <laughs> you've got to put on there. You're giving me the possible ballots. So what number are you looking for? Well, it's Mount Rushmore. I think there's four. <laughs> And you're also excluding the guys that actually won the championship. What about Rizzo, Arietta, Lester? Like, not lifelong Cubs and haven't got through their whole career, but like... They did. They put one on the board. They gave you the chip. Yeah, but they haven't fulfilled a term yet. They haven't been around for four years. So give me your four as it stands today. So in the lore of Chicago Cubs, Andre Dawson, 
Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, and then we'll throw... You got to put Greg Maddox on there. Who would you put in the Giants, Mount Rushmore? Willie Mays. Duh. Duh. Right. McCovey. Okay. Marichal, and then like Bonds with an asterisk. I'm sorry. Posey's on there. Well, who are you going to take off? Uh, Marichal. Okay. I think that for me, it's Mays, Bonds are mandatory. Take your asterisks and put it where the sun don't shine. He won three MVPs before Royds, and on Royds, he was still better than everybody else. He was the best baseball player I've ever seen. Posey is the leader on the most successful team in the franchise's history. So won three, he's been an MVP, he was the rookie of the year, and I'm throwing Will Clark on there because it's my Mount Rushmore, and Will Clark is my childhood hero. And, you know, 1989, Mitch Williams, the hit, that's what I think of baseball. So as a child of the 80s, I got Will on there too. My good friend in Barrington, Illinois, would agree with you. He somehow turned into a huge Giants fan growing up, and he was a huge Will Clark fan. So there you go. You know, whenever I ask people, well, who's your favorite Giant, and they're a fan of the other team, I had to stop asking the question because everybody's like, well, Will Clark, the sweet left-handed swing. I mean, how could you not have that? And maybe somebody throws in a Bonds every once in a while, but no, Will was it for guys our age. So who are you going to take off? Are you blasting some more rock to put a fifth one on there? No, no. I mean, for me, you get a nod to the older era when you put in Maze. And so I would probably take McCovey off Yeah, because I never saw McCovey. So I think that what most people would put or historians would put is McCovey over Maze. And that's your four. And I don't think anybody on the Cubs modern day team has enough of a portfolio to take any of those other people off. So Bryant was the current front runner to swap faces out, but he's only been in the league for effectively three years. Schwarber's not there, obviously. Rizzo is close. Rizzo's my, by far my favorite player in the major leagues at the moment. I'm biased, obviously. I think Lester is a candidate to be on a Mount Rushmore, but the problem is he played for too many teams. He went from the Red Sox to the A's. They traded Cespedes for him. And that's when the A's were looking like they were going to be the best team in baseball. And it totally backfired. The lineup lost all their mojo. And they just tanked the rest of the season and didn't win it. And ended up, uh, I think he left in free agency. He did. Yeah. To the Cubs for an undermarket deal, which is always good. And the Giants were trying to sign him. And when he went somewhere else, they ended up picking up Cueto. Cueto's been great. Yeah, he was pretty average last year, but he was dealing with blisters, and now he's hurt again. So who knows how that contract's going to end up. But when it matters, Cueto's been pretty good. Better than Barry Baked Zito. (laughs) Hey, Barry Zito beat Justin Verlander in Game 1 of the 2012 World Series when Pablo Sandoval hit three home runs. I know, because I was there. He was a gamer, right? Clearly didn't have the best stuff for about seven years on the Giants, (laughs) but definitely... Not his fault somebody offered him 180 million bucks or whatever it was. I like how you say he was a gamer. He didn't have his best stuff for, I don't know, eight years. Yeah, I could have thrown as hard as him. (laughs) Barry Zito had a very good playoff run in the 2012 season, which made that contract completely worth it because the Giants don't win the 2012 World Series without him. No. So we'll take it. We'll take it. So you're feeling okay about the Cubs? You're thinking you got a chance to be a contender in the playoffs? No terrible ill will towards the Giants. Why don't we uh, take a couple of parting shots and get out on those? What are your parting shots? 
Well, my parting shot would be, I'm glad the Giants are 500D, and I hope it continues because it means my StubHub ticket prices are very cheap when I go to the game, although beer prices are not. Any other stories that you want to tell before we let you go? Well, I think my two most memorable moments that I can remember is Dexter Fowler's leadoff home run in Game 7 in terms of feeling hope. Like, when you were whispering it was the best, it started to feel real at that moment. They are the best. (laughs) It was like two straight weeks of me whispering in your ear. There's only two times I've let down my guard with the Cubs. One was Game 6, 2003, before the Bartman instance, when we had Game 6 and 7 at home to go to the World Series, and Kerry Wood hit a home run. And that was the, that felt like karma. Lo and behold, Bartman happened, and we went back to being the little losers. And the second time, and obviously amazingly, and some tequila shots as celebration, the Cubs went on to win the World Series, and that Dexter Fowler home run really opened the hope floodgate. And that's just the magic of baseball, so pretty amazing. Well, Kirk, I'm glad you had your moment, and I think that if there's a team that I root for that's in the National League, the Cubs are probably high up on that list, and a lot of that goes with a lot of friends that root for them, but you know, the lovable losers getting their shot when the Giants are a little down, I can deal with it. So good luck this year. Hope you guys make the playoffs. Uh, take it easy on us. This series looks like we're still tied one-to-one with uh, Gorkis Hernandez hitting his fifth home run of the season. And with that, we'll wrap up today's show. Our plan is to do this every week. So if you either want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed or you just love baseball, click that subscribe button in your podcast feed. Uh, Since we're just getting ramped up, we'd love for you to also give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can always send us questions. You can visit our website at forthefansbythefans.com. You could also just go to ftfbtf.com or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, ftfbtf. Thanks again to our friends at Fanatics. If you're going to go buy your Giants gear or your Cubs gear, click on that link in our show notes or go to ftfbtf.com slash fanatics. And our buddies at Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help pay for the production of the show. Thanks again to Kirk for joining us. And until next time, swing and a miss. And that's it. 